0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a thrilling episode of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks so much for hanging out here. Now, before I introduce my guests today, let me just say that we get into talking about some packaging. So, for all of you folding carton packaging or uh, pouch packaging, label packaging, all of you packaging folks, who love that packaging design or are interested in learning more about it, then this episode is definitely for you. Now, on that topic, right now over at printdesignacademy.com, I have created a free guide to five craft beer labels and shrink sleeves where I show you pictures of them and then I dive right in and I tell you exactly how they were produced, what the materials were, anything that you would need to know about the files, All of that kind of stuff. So if you're a packaging person and you love packaging, if you love craft brewery, not even craft brewery or beer, but kombucha or cold brew coffee, um, vodka sodas, gin sodas, high-end spirits, if you're into really nice labels and shrink sleeves in that craft beverage world, then you'll definitely want to check out this guide. Go to printdesignacademy.com and check that guide out there. Now, I'll say it because I'm not very good at keeping secrets, but we have something really exciting coming up. Uh, March 2nd, it is a course that I've been working extremely hard on behind the scenes to bring to you how to create these amazing craft beverage experiences with labels and shrink sleeves and other packaging for those. It's going to be such a rad course. I've priced it extremely affordable. I'm not going to tell you too much more about it because I got to keep a little bit under wraps, you know what I mean? But to be at the front of the line when that puppy's ready, head to printdesignacademy.com and bonus by signing up there, you're going to get a free guide that dives into five craft beer labels and shrink sleeves to tell you exactly how they were done. Boom. Don't miss that. Now, today's guests today's guests. My guest today is <clears throat> now today's guests are Ron and Mackenzie from Macaroni Creative. Um I had an awesome chat with these guys and they are, you know, to put it politely, we're me and them we're print nerds. Like packaging, geeking out. Love this conversation is awesome. We dive into their very first print projects that they were ever a part of. We talk about some really cool inspirational packaging that they found themselves surrounded by. And then we do a deep dive into the bare bones bone broth projects that they were a part of creating. This tra- this goes across a whole bunch of different packaging mediums um, from boxes to uh, like pouches and mini pouches and all kinds of things like that. And they just tell us it all how the project came to be, and it's kind of a unique story and just how it kind of popped up, and they ended up getting it. So they talk about some of the challenges that they faced with you know, matching colors and brand consistency across these different mediums, and so much more. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and I can't wait to share this with you. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guests today, Ron and Mackenzie from Macaroni Creative. Cue the intro.
1: Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world, from file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper.
0: Ron and Mackenzie, Macaroni Creative. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you?
2: Good. Great. Thanks so much for having us.
0: No, stoked to get into this. So, before I get too far, um, Macaroni Creative, give me the history on that name.
2: Well, I'm Mac. And I'm Ron. So, it kind of just started out as like a combination of our two names. Like our friends, our friends started calling us Macaroni like years ago. And then. It's like uh,
0: the couple's name?
2: Yeah, it was yeah, kind of like a much. couple's name, but it also makes sense since we've worked exclusively with sweet and beverage brands. We're like, it's pretty perfect. So yeah. Yeah, that's,
1: a that's such a great like fit.
2: <laughs> yeah. But then once they actually, once it clicks, every once in a while, we'll get like an inquiry or something and someone's like the first sentence, I love your name. And then there are other people who we've been working with for years who who like, will finally, like one day, like be like, huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> make the connection between the two. Yeah. I, was, I was like kind of hoping that one of you would be like, yeah, I exclusively eat macaroni. So we just rolled with it.
2: <laughs> I mean, kind of that too. That's not too far off base. It's definitely one of favorite foods as well. So.
0: We have jokes um,
1: about making our kids after cheeses though. So maybe in the
0: future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I love it, man.
2: Exactly. Well,
0: let's get a little bit more uh, detail on sort of the history of macaroni. And um, why don't you just tell the listeners about yourselves?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I... I graduated college in 2014 from the College of St. Rose up in Albany, New York. We're, we're based out of Queens and um, kind of my career has almost always been exclusively in branding and packaging design. Um, I worked at a number of different agencies in like, the New York area and then you know, more or less um, we basically just started working together as kind of a fun way. You know, We never really anticipated having a business, at least not having it be a full-time thing. It kind of started out as a way to just make some side money and um, collaborate together. And um, more or less, they just really snowballed faster than we expected. And um, so about three years ago, we took macaroni full time and yeah, really haven't looked back.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Okay. So I'm going to bump over you in a second here, Ron. Um, Mackenzie, how did you, so you finished design school. Um, did you like pursue food and beverage or did you just kind of like land in, in it?
2: Um I kind of just landed in it. I graduated college and I was like unemployed for like 3 days and I was like oh my god, I don't have a job. I like, instantly started like panicking. I think as most post grads just do. They have that moment of like what am I going to do with my life? And so I like just mass applied to a ton of jobs kind of all over the Northeast and just mm-hmm. in a bunch of different industries and um the j- first job I got it was at a small creative agency that really specialized in food and beverage like like i said branding and packaging and um i feel like i just instantly fell in love with it i was really interested in it right away i feel like you know we're both pretty into food and um have gotten even more so like through kind of working with all these exciting brands but um you know from that agency you know i bounced around a little bit and i had the opportunity to explore some other things but i think it was pretty clear you know as i was like you know doing this other types of work i really missed the food and beverage so i think that was kind of where. I knew I always wanted to kind of circle back to that. And, um, you know, that was really, that was really it for me.
0: (laughs) Perfect. And Ron, what about yourself? Tell me a little bit about, uh, a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, I graduated in 2012 from Sage College of Albany. So different schools, same place. Um, After that, I was a little bit more all over the place. One of my first jobs was at a signage company. Uh, So I learned a lot about like large scale printing. Uh, They did everything in-house, which is really cool. Like when I first started, they pretty much had me out there like weeding sides and uh, you know, putting things together and all that good stuff. So Mm -hmm. started off there. Then once Mackenzie went and graduated, she got the job down in the city. So I had to find one in the city uh, to go and transfer down there. Uh, Did a little bit more digital stuff. There was some print stuff mixed in here or there. Um, Worked with some clients like Facebook and Google um, doing little, little like presentations, infographics, websites, that sort of thing. Um, And then we started doing some freelance on the side, you know, just find some more creative projects, some some fun stuff we could work on together. Uh, and I went in and put together a, a branding project for a deli down the street um, from where I grew up just for just for fun, um, get yeah. something in the portfolio. And then uh, this one agency went and saw it on Dribble, I think. Um, and they specialize on restaurant branding. Um, so then I went there and worked there for about two years and, you know, just did a bunch of work in restaurant branding, web design, um, you know, menu boards, signage, um, bags, um, you know, pretty much everything you find inside a restaurant. So I got a little bit of experience there. And that's kind of where I hopped into the food and beverage industry too. Um, And then like Mackenzie was saying, we were just doing freelance on the side of that. Um, You know, we're just picking up more, some restaurant clients, some uh, CPG clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And then pretty much we just got to the point where we're working two full-time jobs. It was like, you know, 3am doing all our stuff. And we're like, all right, eventually we got to go and pick one or the other and uh, (laughs) uh, make the leap and do our own thing. And yeah, three years ago and haven't looked back.
0: Okay, so a couple of questions came out of that for me. Um, you guys are both on these sort of separate trajectories a little bit. At what point do you become a couple or start working together? Like, at what point does that freelance side hustle together start in your careers?
1: Um, well, we've been together since high school, so we've we've always been together. Uh, oh, got it. Okay. Standpoint, but uh, yeah, just at, at night we just uh, start picking up projects, and um, you know, since we were both working full time jobs. Um, you know, sometimes we need help on something if someone, like, contacted us on Behance or Dribbble or something like that. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we just started going and escalating a little bit further and further from there.
2: Yeah, I think it started out as we were both kind of just getting some of our own inquiries for, like, separate jobs. And then, um, you know, it would be like, oh, I have to work late tonight and I have all this work to do so obviously we'd like pitch in and help each other out like we both had the you know design like the skill set to do it so yeah. they kind of started out i think as us you know both just kind of you know getting our feet wet and you know trying to build our freelance careers separately
0: together so you still get yeah but
2: it's nice it's definitely there are a lot of perks to having a significant other that kind of does the same thing and um yeah,
1: it can help shoulder some of that workload. Yeah, have some backup. And doing it on the side was kind of nice too because test the water, see how it was working together, make sure we didn't want to kill each other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's actually another question that I wanted to ask because, you know, you know as, as helpful as it is having a spouse, you know, that can tackle the same sort of work and things like that that, that okay. you can, um, is there any, like, what do you do when you run into a creative difference on a branding project? You know, both of you coming from that world. <laughs>
2: I think, um, I mean, I think for the most part, I think the nice thing is I think we both um, have kind of like come into this like partnership with some of our own like strengths and weaknesses. And I think we're mm-hmm. both, we both oh, we've been pretty self-aware and we don't really have too much of an ego. Like I know, I know like what I'm good at and I know what I'm not so good at. And I think he really compliments me pretty perfectly. Like I'm, you know, my style tends to be a little bit more like playful and illustrative and, a little bit more like chaotic and I feel like a applies,
1: little structured, more granted.
2: Yeah, and I think like that applies to our life as well. I'm like kind of the more scattered <laughs> one and he's like the more, you know, organized spreadsheets. Like everything's like very buttoned up. And I think that really translates both into like our design styles and kind of our way of doing business. Like I'm a little right. bit more of a, a little bit of a people person. So I'm like happy to sit there and hop on the phone and chit chat. And I do
1: a little bit more of the background stuff, you know, all the spreadsheet accounting, keeping track of everything.
0: (laughs) We do have
2: like a really big creative difference. I think a lot of times we'll either, um, you know, I think with our branding projects, we typically both kind of work on our own concepts and then um, we'll either kind of let, let the client decide. We'll like give kind of put both options in front of them and, you know, let them ultimately decide, or if not, we're really lucky. We have a really great network of friends that, Um, you know, we have like a Slack channel with a bunch of our designer friends from college and we'll like put it in there and be like, okay, like we need some outside feedback on this.
0: Vote for A. It's Mackenzie's option.
2: (laughs) I I think that's kind of nice too because, you know, I think as a designer, you just really, you learn to be, um, you know, to accept criticism gracefully. And I think it can be a little bit challenging sometimes when it's coming from, yeah, your partner, <laughs> but, but ultimately, you know, we know it's, that's going to, we're going to run into that. And um, I don't think we ever take it too personally and it never really, it's usually not a big thing. Usually once we make a decision and you just kind of kind of move on and
1: <laughs> yeah, go with it. And like Kenzie said, someone else can go and put some input in and help us figure it out.
0: Yeah. Awesome. I like that you can do that. Um, the other sort of question that came out of your sort of your, your intros here is, um, You know, being so much in that food and beverage space, are you seeing any, uh, I hate the word, but I'm going to use it, any trends, any, you know, in in terms of companies coming up, are you you seeing more plant-based products? Are you seeing more, like, like what are you seeing in this food and beverage space?
1: There's definitely plant-based. I think one big thing that we're seeing is functional foods and functional beverages. You know, Mm -hmm. people want more out of what they're consuming. They want something that's healthy for them, but they also want something that's going to, you know, help them do something else whether it's energy or sleep or um you know build immune system obviously pretty relevant right now um, yeah, like a big thing.
2: boost brain function like i feel like we've had like this year especially we've had so many clients come to us with these like really creative innovative products but they're always like you know it's like okay they taste good and like they're good for you but they also do x y and z like i think yeah kind of the functionality um, you know, I think you know. Just in today's like society, I feel like everyone's so busy and on the go, and I feel like that's like, really big. Like people care about their health and well-being now. I think more than ever, and I think this year especially, so many people are kind of struggling with that. I think kind of figure, you know, finding like those like food and beverage like options or um, kind of creative solutions that can address some of those issues. I think that's yeah, that's one thing we've really noticed. Um, emerging recently
1: yeah and i think people just want to feel more normal so it's like you know if you're used to like going getting on the subway going to work um you know obviously that energizes you in the morning wakes you up a little bit um you know when you just roll out of bed and walk over your computer maybe not the same so you want a little bit more energy or you know maybe you're stressed out throughout the day because of you know the global pandemic that's going on so you want something that helps you go to sleep so um you know working those things in um it's definitely becoming more popular more of a trend i'd say
0: Definitely functional food and beverages. I, you know, I definitely agree with that. Um, So I'm going to kick this back in history a little bit. And I want to hear what your earliest memory of print and packaging is something from your childhood, your teens or whatever that is. What's your earliest memory of printer packaging?
1: One of the things that came to mind for me were like Pokemon cards, just how there was like the holographic Mm -hmm. cards mixed in there, you know, just as a little kid, when you see the holographic card, you just realize that this thing's special. And, you know, really what does it is, you know, the printing process that it has on it that makes it different than, you know, all those other cards that are in there. Um, so I think that's one of the first things that I realized, like, hey, like, if it's printed different, it's going to give me a different, you know, experience.
0: Totally. So just uh, before I bounce over to you here, Mackenzie, when you... I, I, I just posted a sort of carousel about this a couple day de- a few days ago, um, on Instagram. And the memory that came back to me for like when I'm thinking print and packaging is Pogs. Do you remember Pogs? Yeah, uh-huh.
2: yeah. Yeah
0: i I was huge into Pogs. It was grade grade th- right at the end of grade three, but grade four is when Pogs popped off. And I remember playing Pogs all the time. So even just like seeing pictures of Pogs, immediately I'm like, oh, I remember like battles. I I remember playing pogs under the desk in miss Emery's class. Like I remember <laughs> these things. Like, do you find that, you know, when you come across a Pokemon card or a picture or something like, do you remember things that, you know, interactions you had with them?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Like you said, just bringing them to school, trading with your friends, like, you know, lunchtime going and doing or like, you know, sneaking them around and stuff like that when you're supposed to be studying or doing different things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. have um, that
0: nostalgia with it. Love it. Okay, Mackenzie, we've got pogs, we got Pokemon cards. How are you going to top that?
2: Ooh, I don't know if this is going to necessarily top it, but um, I was like a really, really big reader when I was like a kid, and huh? still, still am. I'd say, and actually, that was my first, I think, interest in design. Just period was I. I think I always like wanted to be like either an illustrator or do mm-hmm. books, um, kind of be involved in that in some way. Like that was kind of as like a child something that always interested me. I'm trying to think if there was, like, a specific book that really... I was, like, obsessed with Harry Potter, so I remember, like, the Harry Potter books, like, you know, I think just kind of, like, the matte, like, cover with, like, the the foil on it, like, I still, like, have, like, these really, like, I don't know, I feel like just and like, the smell of it, like, everything about those books, I feel like I still, like, have probably every single book from my childhood. I, like, refuse to get rid of any of them, so... When I go back to my parents house, my like childhood bookshelf, it's like has like hundreds of books on it. But I feel like, you know, I just remember even as a kid, just like feeling like so, I don't know, just like very impressed by them. And I do think like the there's definitely that nostalgia kind of emotional component that like when I go back there and, you know, pick it up, it instantly yeah kind of brings you back to like a certain place in time.
0: Totally. I love that you said Harry Potter books. My kids are big into Harry Potter and for Christmas, we got them, um, not the novels, but like these large illustrated children's versions of the books, like full of illustrations and pictures and things.
1: Awesome.
0: Um, yeah. Which they absolutely love. Um, but as soon as you mentioned books and remembering books from your childhood, do you remember like the choose your own adventure books? Did you ever get those or read those?
2: Yeah. I I too. Yeah. Those were fun.
0: Yeah, I bought some of those for my son. He's not quite old enough to get into them yet, but I was reading them the other day. Like they're awesome. Geez adventure yeah. classics.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or what was it like? It was like Goosebumps or Aria you the Dark. One of them did it. You go the wrong way and like you die from it. And you're
0: like, damn it, I got to go back. <laughs> yeah. No, that was Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Goosebumps were its own like separate series, which I did love and I got huge into. Um, and on the print side for Goosebumps, like when you look at the covers and you know, some covers had glow in the dark and uh-huh. some covers were embossed, you know, there's all these different things. Um, and on a, like, as an adult, looking back like the print, and remembering, like, feeling the emboss and the glow-in-the-dark stuff. Like, I really remember that stuff.
2: Remember? Uh, totally. Um, yeah, definitely.
0: Love it. So, so what about recently, then? Do you have any recent interactions with printer packaging that you really enjoyed or surprised you?
2: Um, one recently that, like, really kind of stood out to both of us that we were actually just talking about. Um, are you familiar with Amsam?
0: No, I don't think so.
2: Yeah. They're like, um, they do these kind of, um, Asian inspired like meal starter kits and yep. their branding is incredible. And, you know, we've seen their digital presence, you know, I feel like they're, we've seen them kind of all over Instagram and just kind of being in like the food and beverage circles. I feel like there are certain brands and, that are like doing a really great job. And I feel like they're one of them. I feel like we're always kind of coming across their stuff or clients are sending us their stuff as inspiration. And, um, so we were pretty familiar with the brand, but, um, in Brooklyn, there's like a, it was called like pop-up grocer. It was just like a temporary grocery store that was there to kind of showcase some emerging brands. And one of our own clients was in there. So we we popped by to just kind of check out, you know, just see see our stuff like on shelf and yeah. um, just kind of see what else they had. And they had this um, kind of like sampler pack. It was like this box that had like their three three of their different products in it. But the whole design of it, the way, like, the printing was, it was just, it was, like, gorgeous. You just, like, walked in, and they were right in front, and you just instantly were, like, I have to go touch that. <laughs> like, I have to go up. I have to go slide it out. Like, it was just really bold and colorful. And um, Yeah,
1: their whole theme's, like, they have this fire theme or, like, spicy theme with it. Um, so, yeah, it's like, kind of, like,
2: loud and proud, like, Asian, like, cuisine, yeah. I think is, like, their thing, like, yeah, it's just very, very vibrant, and yeah.
1: the sample is like a big matchbox. So you go on, like it has like a little like you know ignite like thing on the side, and then you just, like slide it out, and all the packages are like nicely tucked in there, you know, in the little cutout
0: area and stuff. Crazy. Pretty- how do you, how do you spell that? I want to look it up. It's
1: O-M-S-O-N.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: O-M-S-O-N. Yeah. Uh, so Proud, loud Asian cuisine. That's literally what it said.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I told you. have seen it around. Yeah, around. <laughs> we definitely, uh yeah, I like think when there are brands we admire, we definitely uh, nerd out on them a little
0: bit. Yeah, I'm going to bring this up on the screen. We're going to go through this together here. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'd sign up for the newsletter. Oh, yeah, look at the packaging on this thing.
2: Yeah, that's the one.
0: Yeah.
2: And it's if- it's a good it's a good size too you know it's it's a little bit hard to tell i think but um you know compared to at least especially compared to all the things like around it um yeah. you know it was just like yeah it just instantly caught your eye and like i said you just as soon as you walked in the door and it was amongst all this other beautiful packaging i mean this whole store everything in it was yeah, great you know, packaging looked nice it was all these really fun like trendy brands and um so it was you know I feel like it was competing with some of like the best, you know, kind of best brands out there right now. But I feel like yeah. it's still just made you,
0: made um, you stop. yeah,
2: made you stop and look at it, which is, I think really just what, you know, kind of the whole point of great packaging is, you know, you're trying to make something stand out on shelf and cut through all the clutter and like the grocery, yeah. you know, the grocery store or, you know, or online even. So
0: yeah, and you like see the colors and even like the typography being so such a huge part of the design of the packaging, the brand. Like, yeah, really well done.
2: That's yeah, cool. They, they took like a lot of cool like design risks too, like how like on the front, like the sum looks like it's almost like disintegrating into like steam or you yeah, know,
0: waving like, like, away that. or yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, like it's you know, I feel like other, yeah, I feel like they really got got very like bold with it.
0: I'm very hungry now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Yeah. So uh,
0: without a doubt, I gotta awesome. get some Asian cuisine here today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for that. Um, great point. Um, so when it comes to print and packaging design, you know, because you focus exclusively on that, I'm excited to hear your answer in this one. What makes print so special to designers? I've got this shelf of print stuff behind me. You've got all kinds of print stuff, whether you guys designed it or not. You have these pieces around. What? And that's common for designers to like hoard print and packaging that they like. Why is that? Why is there such a excitement and appreciation about print?
1: I think one of the big things is just that it's permanent. You know, I, I like to do websites and things like that too. And, um, you know, I've worked at agencies that do more digital work. And, you know, the thing with that is, it can be changed at any time. You know, if something goes up for a tiny bit. It's a post or an ad, and it, it just disappears. But you know, when you have print that that stays there, and you know, it's out in the world, and there's all these other people seeing it. Like I remember the first time we went to a grocery store, and we just had one of our products in there. I was like, "Well, man, we, we did that. That's yeah. so cool." We to pick it up and We're buy. We're on the shelf. We're yeah. on the shelf. <laughs> exactly.
0: That's so cool. Have you ever gone and like tapped somebody on the shoulder in line and be like, "You like that? You like that box?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about it before. Yeah. But-
2: <laughs> I, I know the people, we like live right across the street from our grocery store, and I feel like we spend like way, way, way too much time just like sitting there. We'll just be like, and they're together like just like pointing at all the food and like i'm like they're gonna think we're like trying to steal something because we've been in here for like, <laughs> and and when you're, like of time and it's just,
1: security guard like down the aisle yeah
0: right?
2: but it's like because we like we'll just be in there looking for a long time and then we'll come out with just like a few things and they're like why were they here for like two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly you're trying to like discreetly take pictures of products on the yeah, shelf with your we'll
2: phone for sure we'll be like oh we're doing like you know if we're doing like an ice cream we're like let's go to the ice cream section we'll like look yeah. at like every every competitor and see how they like treat different elements on right. their packaging and what key call outs like we'll definitely do a lot of and then also we'll buy a lot of like buy a lot of nice stuff too yeah. <laughs>
1: Do market
2: research. Right. You
0: get a bunch yeah. Of ice cream. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Three buckets of ice cream later, we're like, "Yeah, we yeah. really understand this industry now."
2: Yeah, exactly. we are. Experts.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, another sort of classic history question for you guys. Um, and Mackenzie, I'll start with you on this one. What was the very first printer packaging project you were a part of? First one you ever produced.
2: First one I ever produced, I think. I was, uh, when I was like an intern, my junior year of college, um, you know, I worked at this small agency in like our hometown Kingston and I had the opportunity to do branding for, it was like for a plumber. Okay. And uh, I was like, you know, I was just really excited because it was my first ever like my first ever time doing like a logo or doing branding. And, um, the logo I made was actually like very like bold and it was like pretty bright and stuff. And, uh, they put them on all of these trucks. They're these bright, really, really vibrant blue trucks with a giant yellow logo. Nice. And to this day, this was like almost 10 years ago, I see them everywhere, all over my hometown. And every time, for years, my parents, every time they would drive one, buy one, they would like take a picture and send it to me and they'd be like, your logo. And I was like, but. But here, like, all these years later, I'm like, they're still, they're still out and about. And it's like, you know, it's something I did when I was, whatever, like, 19 years old or something. Um, But it's still, like, it was the first time, like, Ron said, just, like, something, like, seeing it out in the world, and also kind of, like, that permanence of it, like, okay, there are this, like, huge fleet of these bright blue and bright yellow trucks that, like, you see from, like, five miles away that all have this, like, logo on it. And I, I feel like I was just so excited to just kind of have that like opportunity for, you know, again, to kind of have it's the first time I really had my work actually being kind of seen. And like, I was getting paid to do work, you know, do creative work and, um, and, you know, the fact that it endured all these years later is kind of, it's still kind of fun.
0: <laughs> that's cool. And that's a cool moment, you know, when you're, you know, it's one thing to design a business card that the plumber hands out, but to have your logo like blown up on the side of a truck, the first one you did like for, you know, that sort of format, like that's, that's a pretty cool experience. You're going to remember that for sure. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: What's the name of the plumber?
2: Um, JSP Plumbing. <laughs> JSP. <laughs> yeah. And I made like the... Yeah, I don't know. It's
0: probably it's probably on their website. I'm gonna look for it. Yeah, the if you go to Visual show guys, we're just <laughs> ASP plumbing and heating. Let's see. At Kingston Plumbing and Heating. HVAC experts. That's them. Okay, let's see if we can get some images of the truck here. <laughs> That's what I'm really going for. You I know that I'm going for like
2: Can you go outside for like five minutes and see if one drives by <laughs>
0: Okay, this is the only one I can find. Okay, I'll share this on. This is the only one that I can kind of... Yeah, that's the only one I can find. Tell me if this is the right one or not, because I don't want to get the wrong one here. Share, share, share.
2: That is the logo, but those are not the... Well, those are their trucks, but the ones that they have now are even... They're like completely blue. Completely blue. So they're even more. They're very, very. (laughs) They really stand out. You can't miss them. Yeah. Um. They're like a. They're full blue and gold and white. Yeah. But um, there it (laughs)
0: is. (laughs) Classic.
2: Oh yeah, that's closer to the one they have now. The one going the video laptop. (laughs) Um, That was my. That's so good. I mean, the first, that wasn't like a huge, super print-oriented project. The first real print-oriented project, um, kind of my first real job out of college, I, it was actually really cool. I got to like go on press for, um, we did work for this like yogurt company called Maple Hill Creamery. And I actually got to go to Toronto and go on press and, um, you know, pretty much sit in the room like for like 10 hours a day and, you know, kind of work really closely with um, uh, the manufacturers and the print team and the client to like make sure that everything was printing properly. And um, you know, they, it was like a lot of trial and error. So that was kind of my first real project where I was actually heavily involved with like the printing side of things and mm-hmm. uh, had the opportunity to really kind of learn the ins and outs of that printing process. So I think that's a little bit more, more of a print focused project, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, the trucks were definitely, uh, <laughs> my first ever, ever project. Yeah.
0: That's rad. Okay, Ron, what you got, man?
1: Uh, in college, there was like a design and art magazine that we went and put together. Uh, well, it was like kind of like a little book. It was more than a magazine, but um, I think like 150 pages or something like that, um, where we just collected work from a bunch of students. And uh, I was like on the team going and producing that. So we had the opportunity you know, with our teachers kind of like guiding us along the way to um, you know, put together this publication and go into the printer, do press checks, um, you know, cool. and really just go and test everything out, you know, set up all the files, um, you know, make sure that it was all, all good to go. And um, I think there was like 200 uh, printed or something like that, but um, you yeah, know, that, that was my first ever one.
0: Awesome. So 150 pages, like that's, that's a pretty damn big publication.
1: Yeah. There was definitely a lot of work that we went and, went and pulled out of it. Um, you know, a lot of pictures, so it, it wasn't too crazy, but
0: <laughs> definitely. What was the press check like? Do you remember much of the press check?
1: Not that much. I just remember them coming out with, you know, obviously the big sheets that you're looking at, you know, just making sure all the colors were looking good. I mean, there's a lot of photography in there too, you know, design pieces and, you know, a mix of paintings, drawings, things like that. So, you know, it was really important that we got the colors to all look really nice. And, you know, there were so many different, you know, versions of it or, you know, different people taking different pictures, color correcting everything. So, you know, that was the main goal of that to make sure that everyone's work was coming through, you know, really nicely.
0: Yeah, I'd say that that's probably like the most time-consuming part of designing, you know, a photo-heavy piece is that color correction. Because when you're looking at that on screen and your RGB and your backlit, you know, LED panels or whatever it is, the difference between that and CMYK on an uncoated paper versus a coated paper or whatever else, that's a big difference.
1: Yeah, we got to choose the paper and everything like that too, which was nice. But, you know, that was, that was the point that I decided I wasn't going to go and do editorial design. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not quite a fit <laughs> perfect um now have you guys ever been a part of a project that didn't turn out as you'd hoped um, didn't go well went sideways um can you tell us about that project tell us a story about that
1: yeah i, I can start with one of mine so my my first job out of college this uh, uh i worked at this medical simulation company so pretty much he was He had these, like, uh, there were dummies that nurses and doctors could practice on, like, you know, if there's different medical emergencies or things like that. But he wanted to go and produce these backdrops that would go behind there to kind of make it feel a little bit more realistic. So there's, like, ambulances or hospital rooms, things like that. Uh, And pretty much we created these big, you know, vector illustrations that would go back there. Um, But in college, I was never taught anything about, you know, large-scale printing. Um, Always, you know, smaller things, you know, magazines, um, you know, maybe little posters that would print out at like FedEx or, you know, something like that. Um, But these were, you know, seven foot tall, eight foot tall um, banners that wanted to be produced. Um, And just the the process behind it, I had no idea how to go and do it. Then you're taught, all right, everything needs to be like 300 DPI. Um, He ended up going and buying this large scale printer um, because he wanted to go and print it in house instead of sourcing it out. And I just had no idea what I was doing with it. And I at like 300 DPI. So this would take hours to print like one of these banners and you needed like four banners to go and make a wall. And it was just so time consuming. And I just had no one to go to or uh, figure out. So, I mean, they came out all right. But, you know, you couldn't make a business when you're sitting there trying to go and print one banner out of four. And it takes hours and hours to do. And then I I was the only person there. So you know, trying to figure out how to go and, you know, set it up to cut it. We had these like little wooden rulers and we were trying to cut these like heavy pieces of vinyl <laughs>
0: and Oh
1: right man. Out, slipping, cutting. He bought like these like styrofoam, like cutting mats to go and do it on. So like the razor blade would just like go through the mat, like nick the thing after we just spent like hours trying to figure it out. Uh, luckily after that, my next job was, uh, I only worked there for, for a couple months and, you know, decided that it wasn't, it wasn't the move for me. Yeah, not the right spot. Yeah. But luckily after that, I went and uh, worked at a signage shop after that. So I learned pretty much everything that I would have known uh, or needed to know at the other job. So I flip-flopped and it probably would have worked out perfect. But uh, yeah, I just learned a ton more about the printing process for large scale stuff, um, you know, what the DPI should be, you know, have the actual equipment to go and do it with. Um which was nice to kind of start there for something that I had no idea how to go and do. And you know, it just was a bad process, you know, throughout. And, you know, then I went to a place where I learned it all. And then, you know, I used that later in my career when I worked at, you know, the restaurant branding agency where I worked on a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, menu boards and other large scale things like window graphics and, um, you know, that sort of thing. So it kind of came full circle, started off, um, you know, poorly and, you know, just went up from there.
0: <laughs> you sort of cut your teeth, made your mistakes, then you learned, then you ended up back sort of in that field. awesome
2: yeah I'm trying to think if there's anything to be honest nothing like really specific is jumping out like knock on wood (laughs) I feel like um, you know just kind of I think with packaging there's always like a little bit of like trial and error um, you know where like the color like depending on the substrate that it's printing on or depending on um, how it's wrapping like you know you can there's only so much you can do until like you actually get a sample or like some type of proof made. So I think luckily a lot of times we advise like, you know, we really, really urge our clients to get proofs done (laughs) so we can then troubleshoot any of those potential like issues. So I think there's like always a lot of tweaking in that part of the process. But I don't really, I can't really say that there have been like too many disasters or anything that's really gone wrong where like, you know, that we need, we need to do like this huge like reprint or anything. Um, yeah. You know, it's super like costly or
1: yeah. um, recently we had, there was a small one that it was a couple of years back that it really didn't affect the business at all. But um, we were working with this one client their their CBD client. And um, we went and set up the files for him and everything. And uh, mm. the manufacturer they were working with was in China. Um, and there was like a, a smaller area where things could be printed on. But when that happened, there was a bunch of negative space on the top and bottom of it. Um, So we went and said to the client, we're like, you know, we really think it should be better if we could go and see if we could go and, you know, have more real estate there to, you know, make the uh, margins on the top and bottom a little bit smaller, fill out the, um, you know, the little bottle a little bit more. Um, We said we'd be happy to go do it, just ask them if it's possible, and then we'll go and set up the file that way. Didn't hear back from a little bit from the client, and then we ended up going and getting it back, and uh, the manufacturer went and decided to go and take it upon themselves to go and do it, and uh, I think we have one of them here, but... Pretty much instead of going in, like spacing everything out, um, so it's opposite. They just went and stretched everything on it. So they just made it more vertical instead. So it's a little bit tough to tell because it's like condensed uh, condensed type on it. But yeah. you see, it's all. all kind you can of tell a little bit. It's, well, yeah, it's down there. So, you know, they probably won't notice it. You know, their customers probably won't really notice it that much, but.
2: Yeah. We, we we'll noticed notice it. it. <laughs> yeah. and you
0: guys noticed it, of course. You're the the designers, and you're looking for these things to be, you know, done as you intended. as everybody agreed on? Right.
2: I think that's one thing we run into a lot too, where we, you know, like clients will try to like cut costs, or um right. which, like, for you know, that's totally up to them. That's like their prerogative. But you know, sometimes right. we'll, you know, we'll be so excited about a design, and then we'll get the actual printed product back, and it's just you know, the printing kind of doesn't do it justice. Like they, they cheaped out on like the materials or the, you know, the print quality just isn't, you know, what we were hoping it would be. And, um, you know, we'll kind of, we'll always voice that, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's their business. So, you know, you know, it's kind of a, you have to walk a fine line between, you know, balancing like the logistics and balancing like kind of the creative vision or
1: yeah. and there's times where you know they would love to do you know what we propose to them or what we recommend to them, but you know they're just not at that point in their business yet, and you know maybe maybe a couple of runs down the down the road once they have some more sales and kind of build things up and they can transition to it. But yeah, yeah definitely definitely a mix between uh, aesthetic and
0: and business decisions. Totally, I would say that packaging is almost one of the most important, but also the most feared expense when with smaller businesses and and getting going and starting. Um, Because you know, they've invested so much and it's all based on the performance of this product and market. Right? So, you know, investing, it takes a real special customer to recognize the importance and value of putting some extra time and money into the packaging to help elevate that success. It's hard yeah, to get
1: probably. Yeah. And it's definitely a tough sell because like, you know, a couple cents here or there on, you know, hundreds of thousands of, um, you know, products that definitely, definitely adds up on their side and, you know, yeah, they got to make sure that, uh, you know,
0: there's a return if they do invest on it. It's always the classic, you know, when you're looking at a quote and you're like, Oh, it's only one and a half cents difference to do this like spot gloss on this thing. Yeah. But over a hundred thousand pieces, it's like, it's a lot of money.
2: Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, know, adds up. With a lot of kind of smaller to kind of like, mid-sized businesses where they just mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have the capital to upfront kind of invest in you know necessarily the quality of um print that we would always recommend but um you know like ron said we'll kind of we'll make our recommendations but we'll just make it the best we can with you know whatever their kind of whatever their means are so mm-hmm. and you know, it always it always works itself out.
1: Yeah, and when we're designing, we always try to go and you know take that in consideration. Just make a design that will work. You know, if if it has extra features from the printing, that's great. If it doesn't, then it's still gonna look great for them. So, um.
0: yeah, definitely, good point. All right, guys. Well, I want to now do a little bit of a deep dive here. I don't even know why I said a little bit because it's not a little bit. It's a deep dive. (laughs) Uh, I want to get into a specific sort of print project, branding project. Um, And I understand you've got a pretty interesting one that spans a few different sort of mediums, a few different substrates, all that kind of thing. So Let's get into that. Let's get into the customer and how the project came to life and any sort of budget and quoting and pricing details and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, what you got?
2: Yeah, so um, the project we were going to dive into, um, they're one of our most consistent, like best clients. We've been working with them really closely for three years. Um, their name is Barebones and they started out, they predominantly do uh, bone broth, but actually more recently, they've been kind of expanding into doing other, you know, kind of like other like wellness products. And they have some really cool, innovative things in the works that we can't really, can't really talk about. <laughs> but, um, you know, we've had the, you know, we kind of met them. Um, you know, we had the opportunity to work with them because I'm in this CPG Facebook group and pretty much the um, Catherine, she's like, it's a, they're also a husband and wife team. Um, you know, pretty much she posted like our designer kind of backed out at the eleventh hour. We need we need a packing designer ASAP and um
1: This is when we first jumped off like to do the do it on our own too. So it was pretty great timing.
2: Yeah, it was like right around the time we like decided to make this like a full time thing. And um so I just kind of reached out and I was like, Hey, I was like, you know, we have a lot of packing design experience. Um, we'd we'll love to, you know, we we'll would love to connect with you guys and pretty much long story short, um, we've been like working with them ever since doing the first project we did for them. It was, um, they were doing like an instant bone broth. So it was like a powdered bone broth that you just could add to hot water and it has like a ton of protein, like very few calories, no sugar. It's, you know, it's just like a really good kind of healthy snack option. Um,
0: yeah, it was so cool, and I had never heard of that even being a thing before. I've seen bone broth, like, pre-mixed, like, buy it, ready to drink or whatever, and right? I've seen that, but when I was looking at this on the website, um, you know, I'll pull this up here, you know, I saw this, like, instant broth. It, it reminded me of, like, the um, the Starbucks, like, Via. Yeah, right?
2: that was kind of the idea. It was, you know, it was something that's just convenient and... um you know, there's so many health benefits to it and, you know, it's actually also very filling and um, that's why they call it like more of like a snack, like than like a beverage. Cause it's meant to, you know, be really sustenant essentially. And, um, but I think they were like really one of the first brands to really, I feel like now bone broth is getting, gaining a lot of traction and popularity, but I feel like they were one of the first brands to really, um, kind of focus on that. So it's cool to see them, you know, really blowing up more now. And, um, But yeah, so that first project up top, um, which we also have here, this was like, you know, it was just supposed to be a very specific project for Costco and um, they needed it turned around quickly. And kind of the design, the idea behind the design was that um, they wanted to really highlight kind of like the functionality that it's like a stick pack, you know, that it's, um, their old packaging had like large like animals on it and was very focused on like the, Kind of like I guess the source of like the broth but they wanted yeah. to be focused more on um kind of the convenience and like the health benefits. so yeah. that was kind of where we landed on the design um but then you know part of the challenge with this was like we had to communicate both on the actual large pouch which was big and changed sizes a bunch of times and um you know working with Costco they always have a lot of their own uh you know they have a lot of their own rules and of preferences. Yeah. So kind of navigating that process and then also like translating that to like this really small format stick pack that has a ton of information on it and, um, you know, kind of figuring out how to like establish that hierarchy and um, kind of that consistency across these, you know, drastically different sizes and different materials. Um, but then kind of over the years of working with them, you know, they've also like moved into like boxes and then they make like collagen where we have to do, you know, labels. So
0: kind of
2: translating this general aesthetic across all of these different packaging formats, um, you know, that's kind of been, that's definitely been a challenge in and of itself. Um, I don't know if you want me to keep going. Or, <laughs> I tend to be the talker, so I like to make sure I'm <laughs> the
1: the <laughs> Yeah, I think what Mackenzie was saying is just kind of translating all those, you know, key communication points to, um, yeah. you know, these different packaging vehicles. And, you know, like she said, like this first initial one, you know, the pouch is for Costco. So the consumer who goes to Costco is going to be a little bit different from, you know, their consumer who, you know, those boxes are for, you know, they have those like in Whole Foods or, you know, smaller retail stores like that. So the consumer is just a little bit different. So, you know, deciding, you know, what calls should be on there, what needs more calls or less calls depending on, you know, where they're going to be located and, you know, just working within that real estate that we have.
0: Um, so definitely- and, and looking at the the packaging designs that you shared, it looks like there's a blue that is pretty brand consistent across all of the packaging elements. You know, the, the details of even making sure that that is you know remotely close or matching across all the different you know mediums and substrates from big pouches to little pouches to labels to folding cartons, like all of that, getting that lined up.
1: Yeah, that that was definitely some work in there. um You know, they're they're located in California, and um, you know. printer was out there too Um, so pretty much what we would do is they'd go and get samples they'd go and send them to us we'd go and review them send them back Uh, the nice thing is since we first started with the pouch that was kind of like our you know north star to go off of Um, so we could kind of base things on there and we had the pouches with us already so we kind of had something that we could go and you know test it off to so then once they sent samples of you know the boxes over then we kind of like match it to that um Mm -hmm. you know make adjustments along the way um
2: yeah unfortunately they actually did run into like a lot of issues with like with the colors being inconsistent even though we were using pantones which theoretically should be identical i think that you know again i think just the different materials um and then i also think they were working with different manufacturers who may have been like making some executive decisions so they actually recently um they actually recently switched all their printing to one facility where they can now have a little bit more control. And, um, you know, we always like to be as hands-on as possible in the printing process because, you know, we just know we just know the questions to ask. We know how to like talk to the printer. We know like, you know, the lingo. <laughs> so yeah. I client kind of to kind of be the middleman and try to mediate that. Like they might not necessarily they just aren't going to necessarily know what they're doing unless they've kind of been doing it for a while.
1: And, um. and with this client specifically too, they had a broker that was working in between them and their, you know, printer. So okay. they were kind of getting. They had a middleman in between them and their printer, and then they were coming back to us. Um, but now they're working directly with the printer and directly with us. So um, cool. you know, we have more of a, you know, direct relationship to kind of work things out and you know make sure everything's matching. You know, along the way, um, you know, like Mackenzie was saying, they, they did do some trial and error with them. They switched some different um, manufacturers and printers, you know, even in between there before going to this one. So, you know, there was definitely a lot of, you know, trying to color match and, you know, work with these different substrates. And it um, mm-hmm. you know, was all consistent along the way. But
2: Especially that cream has been like really problematic because I feel like with a light color like that, any yeah. small, like tiny. I don't know
0: yellow in a heartbeat.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. like, so I think, yeah the colors that they're using and it's like really, really obvious when something's amiss and um, yeah, I think it's definitely been a, you know, it's been awesome to kind of see all of our designs, like as this big suite, but I think trying to manage the actual production aspect of that has definitely been, um, yeah, kind of an interesting challenge, so.
0: For sure. So I want to dive into that pouch just for a minute here. So that's the first project that you guys get from them. It's kind of in a hurry because they're, they're designer back down and they've got their own deadlines and things like that. Had you done pouches before, or was that just like a, let's go and figure it out? I didn't do
2: anything before. this. I'm trying to think I had done, I had done like kind of smaller pouches, but a pouch like that size and like kind of using those materials, that was definitely the first time, um, yeah i'm trying to think if there's anything since then we've done a bunch i feel yeah. like since then we've done a lot more and um
1: pouch yeah, experts and now we're, yeah like and like, our
2: every type of packaging like structure pretty much under the sun like if you yeah. can dream it up we've probably like done <laughs> design for it but but i think this was i think this might have been like our first our first like time using doing like a pouch and um you know, even that, like working with like the gussets and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the dye line changed like several times. So like it started out a lot more vertical and then at the like kind of last minute it shifted to be wider. So the, the sample we actually have right now, there's like more negative space than I think the current designs, because, you know, we had pretty much had time to go back now and kind of rework it. Yeah.
0: uh, Originally you're kind of like, you know, really being careful with type safety and a bunch of different things like that where now, you know, the medium of the die line and the process is nailed down you got a little bit more flexibility to put things really where you want them
2: yeah absolutely Um, it's always so much easier having it in hand and you know yeah Mm -hmm. being able to kind of make some of those judgment calls
0: yeah and the
1: good thing is even though you know it might just be a first run that they're doing where you know maybe there's a little bit too much negative space here or there but you know as long as the client does well then Exactly.
0: Activity. It's not like it ruins the, you know, the chance and things like that. So um, I want to just sort of zoom in on that pouch here for a second. I'm going to pull it up on the screen just so we can have a peek at it. Um, I think that's probably like the best view of it there. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. So without looking at, at it there. Uh, so when they approached you for this first project, what was the initial quantity? Like how many of these pouches were they producing?
2: Um, To be honest, we don't know the exact quantity but what we do know is they were originally it was originally supposed to be um, kind of regionally to like southern California and they Mm -hmm. ended up getting like national distribution so it went from you know a relatively small kind of trial run to um, you know a much larger a much larger rollout so um, yeah so that was you know really exciting to kind of be a part of that
0: and so with this with this packaging redesign because you had mentioned that the original design had some animals and was more like source focused rather than benefit and convenience focused. Um so was this basically not only a packaging design but kind of a rebrand at the same time?
1: Yeah, there there is definitely somewhat of a rebrand. You know, their look was definitely a little bit different. And I think originally they had liquid broth um you know as their staple product and this was a new product coming in. So um, you know like you said you never really heard of using broth as like a snack so um you know one key thing that we we're doing when we we're designing this is figuring out how to communicate you know that this product is a snack how it's used and you know how it's different from regular liquid broth um mm-hmm. and you know I, I think that's what kind of set the tone for um you know the the sort of rebrand that we went and did for them because we recently redid their liquid um you know broths as well uh yeah. but this is kind of the, the staple behind it
2: yeah and i think because um you know, there were some brand elements that we were trying to pull from their existing brand, like their old packaging was predominantly that kind of navy blue. So, you know, we tried to keep some elements, uh, their logo was the, you know, more or less the same, I think we might have tweaked it slightly. Um, So, you know, there were certain things that we tried to keep consistent, but because this was like a totally different product, essentially, like creating a whole new category, and then also going to be in like, you know, a different store than like their their existing line, like, you know, there was just like a totally different, um, you know, kind of criteria for what, you know, what the design should look like and how that should function. So, um, so yeah, it was, I would say it was definitely kind of more of like a brand, like a brand refresh um, in addition to just, you know, executing on the packaging.
0: Perfect. And now on the design side, um, what led to your decision? I mean, I know the answer, but I want want to hear from your words. What led to the decision, um, to use Pantones?
2: Um, I mean, I think we just knew that because they, you know, we kind of, I think knew right away that these were going to be kind of like really focused brand colors and, um, you know, CMYK, there's just way too many, there's way too many variables. And, um, Mm -hmm. and this is a pretty, you know, there aren't that many colors, you know, it's a pretty like low color job. So, um, we pretty much only use the cream and the Navy and um, kind of that accent flavor color. So, um, you, you know, it kind of gave us the flexibility to do that.
1: Yeah, and just having that consistency, you know, cause it, knowing that they did have a liquid line too, and, you know, probably eventually they'd want these to look, you know, pretty similar. And we're going to be printing on, you know, different materials. We definitely want to just make sure that, um, you know, they'd have consistent look throughout their different things. And we've done like shippers and postcards and, um, you know, a bunch of like smaller other, um, you know, printing things for them. Um, mm. I just kind of really wanted to establish it right off the bat.
0: So on this particular design that we're looking at on screen here, we've got the blue as the Pantone. There's kind of like the, you know, the off white or beige background color. That's also a Pantone. Yep. Yeah. And uh, the highlight orange color that's used in a few spots. That's also a Pantone. Is there a CMYK in, in this piece at all?
2: There is because the mug is actually a photograph. So um got it. I think the mug is the only place that CMYK, is, right? Besides me, the, is there a black, a black barcode on the back? I would yeah. Say as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. seven color print. Mhm. That's awesome. Yeah. I like yeah.
2: That.
1: The mug was def- definitely took a little bit of work to you know try to match that too. Um,
2: yeah, and this again, this is one of like kind of the earlier samples. I don't know if you can kind of see, but like I feel like the shadow. We had a lot of trouble with that shadow, kind of getting it. Oops, sorry. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. There we go. Um, kind of getting the shadow to be. Kind of has
1: this harsh shadow on the bottom of it. It
2: like it's a Mm -hmm. little bit tough to tell, but there was kind of this like almost like crisp line that again on screen we weren't seeing, and we tried to fade that out, and um, again that took a little bit of, uh, you know, (laughs) a little bit of trial and error to get that to finally be like as smooth as as we wanted it to be. And, um, you know, the mug, yeah, the mug also getting that color to kind of match that orange accent color again on Mm -hmm. screen. It looked great. And then when we got it printed, like the mug was a little bit darker, you know, kind of the working with the photos is always, uh,
0: yeah. Always. But what I like about this design is that, you know, you're kind of merging these, you know, these illustrated elements with, with a photo. And I love that, that combination. And I'm sort of seeing that more and more out there with, you know, real life photography with illustrations over it, accenting, you know, whatever, whatever they're trying to highlight, um, you know, in the design, which I think is a really cool look. Now, when you guys were deciding um, with Pantones here, did, did the customer understand that stuff? Did you have to sort of walk them through, walk them through that stuff?
1: On this one, they did understand it. Um, you know, they they had a design before for their other product. They worked with like a design agency before, so um, mm-hmm. you know they they definitely had a good idea of you know how that worked and um, you know what benefits it would get them. Um, you know, okay. going um, and, and you know they were a little bit more established, so um, you know they could pay for a little bit more. Um, you know, printing wise.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which works out well because you know you run into that situation where you really want to use a Pantone, and this is the reasons why. But there's just not that extra dough to to throw into it to add the extra plates, add the extra color, and whatever else is involved, right?
1: Yeah, and we we definitely work with clients who you know sometimes we use CMYK when they're printing, or you know they use like digital prints and um, things like that. So. Um, you know, this application we were able to use Pantone's. Some other ones we do use CMYK if um, you know if that's what their printers working with, and you know that's mm-hmm. the, the budget restraints that they have. Yeah, that,
2: kind of that pitch down of like the benefits of Pantone and explaining that and kind of explaining the the added value of having that. That's a conversation we have on a. Very regular based, okay? <laughs> I
0: can imagine. Yeah. So that, that was actually going to be my next question is, you know, you'd mentioned postcards and some of the other print pieces you've done for them. Um, not all of those are going to be seven color prints. You know, you're going to have to take those brand colors and convert to CMYK. Um, do you find that you were, when you were picking these Pantones, were you looking for Pantones that specifically had complementary CMYK crossovers or did that just kind of work out?
2: Um, we definitely were taking that into consideration. You know, we were trying to find colors that, um, cause we kind of, I think kind of had a feeling going in, um, you know, again, after working with them for a relatively short period of time, um, you know, it seemed like there was like potential for more of like an ongoing relationship. And in general, like we always try to, whenever we're, even if we're just doing one, you know, a one-off job for someone, we always like to make sure that we're, you know, we're thinking long-term and thinking in terms of how the design and how like, you know, the printing process like how all of that can kind of expand into like future products, future flavors, you know, future marketing collateral. And, um, so yeah, we definitely, you know, I think we're trying to be cognizant of that as we were picking the Pantones up front. We usually, we usually are, we try not to pick, we recently had a client that was, um, you know, she wanted like all of these really, really crazy custom like Pantones that they were from like this, um, what
1: was the name of the book? It was like Pantone GXI or GXA. Or it some, was like some, some really like Pantone. obscure. You know,
2: where, like, These are not going to be matched on like anything else you ever do. Mm-hmm. And then ended up being the printer couldn't print them. But we were trying to explain how we're like, this is going to be really expensive and really, um, you know.
0: Really hard yeah. to hard to
2: reproduce and um, (laughs) ultimately it did end up working out but i think again like the client they don't really have any way of necessarily knowing knowing that they're just like oh i like this color i want this color but um but yeah i can't even imagine what type of what that cost would have looked like for what he was actually asking for it was like i think nine or ten different pantones and they were all like from this really like yeah these really really
1: Specific
0: specific Pantone
2: collections that we were like, we're like, this seems like a, it seems like we can find some alternative here. Some like happy medium that
0: totally (laughs) like
2: the same effect or a very similar effect, but without, you know, raising your
0: (laughs) yeah without getting crazy.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: you I, I you run into that a lot, actually. i I come across that a lot where brand colors just don't properly translate. And what it really goes back to is when when a designer is creating a brand guide, like in creating branding for a company, rebranding a company, refreshing whatever it is understanding all of the potential mediums that this branding could exist in, whether that's online, Instagram, uh, that's all kind of the same on screen, but in print, in large format signage, and all of these different formats, the branding has to work. So I come across branding all the time where online or on Instagram, it's bright, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, bright, like neon colors and you'll bright. It looks really great on screen. And then you try and print a CMYK postcard or letterhead or whatever it is with that branding. And it looks blah. It looks gross. It looks, doesn't work. And that just like designers, if they don't understand the print medium, then they're not going to be able to create branding. That's that works on all these different points.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think like early in our career, like, you know, how I mentioned I worked at that sign shop and, you know, yeah. was doing the printing and weeding things out, and you know, just really in it. You know, I think that set it up where I really learned like, all right, if I go and make this decision that someone's going to have to go and do this, like even with, you know, sometimes, um, you know, we'll do trade show things or if we do work with a restaurant, sometimes we'll do vinyl graphics and, um, you know, just having that knowledge of like, all right, if I make this really, really thin line that I'm, someone's going to have to weed out of vinyl, they're probably going to break it and, and it's it's not going to look good. And, um, you know, the same thing goes from just, you know, like you were saying, making sure that these colors work across, uh, you know, all these different touch points. And, you know, since we primarily do, um, you know, branding, um, you know, that's definitely something that, you know, we, we have to think about all the time. Um, you know, I, I think since we don't really work with a lot of one-off, um, you know, kind of print jobs that uh, it's always in our mind and we don't really, um, yeah. yeah have that luxury to go in, um, you know, just think of it as a one-off.
0: So definitely. So the last question I wanted to get into on this pouch design, you had mentioned that it kind of came up as a last minute sort of, you know, chance where you sort of swooped in and saved the day a little bit, um, from that message to, you know, the customer saying, somebody, please help me out with this packaging design to holding the finished copy in your hand for your samples that hopefully they sent you. Um, how long was that? Like, what kind of timeline are we talking about?
2: Um, I'm trying to remember. Again, this was a few years ago now. I think uh,
1: three months. Or was it longer than that?
2: I think it was, you know, I think we we did ultimately have to, we kind of had to turn around the initial designs, like, very quick. And they had to get, like, go through the approval process with Costco. Yeah. And um you know, there were like a lot of things like kind of like a lot of like really tight deadlines up front, but then kind of going through the process as, as so often happens, like, you know, different things come up and like, you know, they're kind of like troubleshooting a lot of like issues on there. And so I think, yeah, I think from start to finish, I would say probably, I would say probably roughly three months is a good,
1: yeah three months there, which is pretty quick compared to a lot of our clients. You know, a lot of times it takes like six months to, you know, we have some that we're still working with right now. That's been like going on a year now, Um, but just working through all that and figuring out the logistics on their side. um, You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. From my experience, Costco is like, is fairly quick with like approvals and packaging and those kind of things. But any product that you're designing that needs to go through any sort of government regulation or government double checking Mm -hmm. buckle up. And don't put a deadline on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things like a lot of a lot of times um we'll get like inquiries from people who kind of like first time like entrepreneurs um in the food and beverage space and they always are like so endearingly optimistic about <laughs> <laughs> the
0: <topic>. Endearingly optimistic. <laughs> We're
2: just like we're just like no we're like we're like we'll get it done on our end but we're like we're telling you you are not gonna have this done by this time because we've been we've just been through that so many times where you know we'll kind of like bust our ass to get the designs out and like you know and then yeah it has to be like approved by the FDA and then they have tweaks and then there's changes to the formulation and then like you know, you need to like change like the die line. Yeah, or they it's like, I can't make this claim. In. So
1: we need to slowly change the wording here. And then,
2: yeah. Um, there's like so many like little things that really like hold up the, the process. So um, Especially
1: this year too, with the pandemic, like a lot of those government offices were closed like earlier in it. Um, you know, some we had some alcohol clients where, you know, they are waiting on approval and it would take like a couple of weeks to do that. And then we'd get, we go and do a little tweak to it. They have to wait another couple of weeks for that to happen from there. Yeah. Um,
2: and even like sourcing, you know, some materials like we do, um, we do like a lot of beverage stuff. And one of our clients is doing like a, it's like a can, a canned water, but the design has been done for Probably almost what, six, months six months now. now yeah. it's, the design has been done forever, but there's like an aluminum shortage happening right now, and yeah,
1: that can
0: Yeah, is pretty bad. much That's like real.
2: You know, pretty much like the big guys are like, you know, yeah. <laughs> taking it all They're up.
0: Taking so. all the aluminum. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So it's pretty much just a matter of, you know, them just waiting for things to finally, you know, free up where they can actually get production underway. And um, so you know, I just feel like there's always a lot of, you know, unexpected little. Kind of have to expect unexpected, I would say. A lot
1: of moving parts.
2: Yeah,
0: a lot of moving yeah. parts. <laughs> That's what, you know, about being in this food and beverage space, um, you know, I sometimes find so interesting is the things that you just don't even expect to run into could become a problem. Like somebody wanting to go, I've dealt with a ton in, in just like recent months where customers are wanting to order you know, 500,000 shrink sleeves, you know, and produce shrink sleeves for their cans that, you know, this was all slated to go to restaurants and be sold as kegs. But now we got to can it all because all the restaurants aren't, you know, serving the volumes they used to. So they're canning it all. And my first question now has to be, well, do you have cans secured? Right. Because you can't find cans.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is our thing.
2: No, definitely. Um, yeah, and I think again, kind of the, you know, the more the more times you've <laughs> gone through it, like the easier it gets to like kind of predict or like so- circumvent some of those yeah. <laughs> sort of hurdles. But I think it's you know
1: give a little bit more leeway on our time if you know we can go and call out some of those questions and like well actually we can't get this done for a little bit so you guys can have a longer timeline <laughs> if you want on the design side of things.
0: Yeah, yes, exactly. Totally. Oh man, that was awesome. Okay. So I want to wrap this up with the ask the audience question. So We've got a group of graphic designers who are all interested in print. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask them a question. It doesn't have to be print related. It doesn't have to be design related, but what would you like to know from our audience?
1: Well, one of we weird thinking is uh, what was the last time you bought a food product based solely on the packaging? Something that you probably didn't need, but just had nice. it had-
0: I like it. You bought a food product just because of the packaging. You know where that happens more and more. Um, you know, it used to be wine. Wine used to be the place where packaging sold wine. You just walk in and oh, that label looks cool. Let's get that. Yep. Craft beer is now running that
2: space. Uh, yeah, way, definitely. Yeah,
0: there's
1: like a place uh, that we go. It's like called Beer World, and I'll literally just sit in there for like. You know, 15, 20 minutes just trying to decide. And I just can't stop looking at all the yeah. different labels
2: that they have out there. It's like a mega, just a mega store, just like full of craft beer. It's like this huge, huge, huge store. And we're just like, ah. yeah, we could just be in there all day if we want. <laughs>
0: totally.
1: Oh, I shouldn't spend this much on beer right now. I can come back later.
2: Yeah.
0: Totally. I totally get there. Awesome. Well, I'm going to ask the audience that question. Um, That wraps it up for the Print Design Podcast. Thank you, Ron and Mackenzie, so much for joining me on the show and doing a deep dive into the old bone broth project here. It's beautiful branding, awesome packaging, and nice execution. Um, Well done. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah,
2: great chatting.
0: All right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. So glad you were here. And like I said in the beginning of this intro, if you are a fan of craft beverage, craft beer labels, shrink sleeves, and you wanna know how those are created, how to hack that production process, the design process to create something that is just absolutely stellar and jumps off the shelf, then the craft beer label design course is for you. Not available to March 2nd, but if you wanna be first in line, Go get the free guide at printdesignacademy.com. That is where that's going on. Link in the bio of my Instagram and all that jazz. Thanks for tuning in and we're back next week. See you then.